0: where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael.
1: What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personal Podcast, episode 207. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael.
2: Hello, everybody. Are are y'all ready? Y'all ready for a little Super Regional Baseball?
1: That's all I got tonight is baseball. So that's it. Jump on board. I
2: hope you're ready. Because this is, this is happening. This is all, this is all we've got. We've got what, like, I mean, I know you usually run through it, but it's mostly going to be baseball, a couple of tidbits of basketball, football. What's football? What's a football? We don't even know what that is. So probably nothing there.
1: This is not the Dinger Derby podcast, but this is a baseball podcast today.
2: So
3: strap in.
1: Gear up for a double dipping of baseball this week from us and Dinger Derby, because that's what you're going to get. You can follow us on the social media channels, Twitter, Instagram at 23 personnel on Twitter, 23 personnel podcast on Instagram. You can follow me, Spencer at punts suck on Twitter and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. And if you haven't done it yet, make sure you go download that locker room app guys. It is the, Live audio-only sports talk platform that is free to download and to use. Talk to me, Michael, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app. Locker room is free. Start or join ongoing conversations. Watch games together. React to the biggest biggest news, rumors, and games. We'll be hosting rooms in the fall. After football games. So come on, join us. Talk to me and Michael as we break down Red Raider football games. All you need to do is download the locker room app free in the iOS and Google play app stores, create a profile link, your Twitter and join us. Follow at 23 personnel or Spencer to Spencer Rogers to be notified when we go live locker room app. Looking forward to it, Michael.
2: Yeah, gonna be a pretty shows. cool wrinkle in the old instant reactions after the games. It'll uh,
1: take away all of my my editing for one show a week. So that'd be cool. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah,
2: because no edits. We're first take. We're first take people here. This is it. This is what you get. I guess that's true. We we don't really edit at all. But well, I mean, you. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying you don't edit. You do have to plug in the audio and the music and whatnot. He also produced the show pretty good producer.
1: <laughs> well, now that I've got this new setup, uh, or not, not new setup is a setup we had going, um, going into COVID and we finally got it all worked out where I've got, I'm using the the board to its full capabilities. I got, I got the music going in as we record, as we used to do it. There was a little bit of time there where I had to just Like record empty silences and just drop the music in afterwards, but not anymore. No, so we already kind of previewed it. Baseball. We're gonna talk about the regional. Texas Tech sweeping their own regional this weekend, going three and zero, advancing to supers this upcoming weekend. Skew (laughs) going to be hosting Stanford and the super regionals. Got some other um, noteworthy regional action to kind of discuss Um, talk about the Stanford regional uh, give you a, a preview like we haven't done since Oklahoma the conference series versus Oklahoma. Since this is more of a normal series where you'll only have one opponent that we're preparing for in this Mm -hmm. recording instead of, Hey, you could play anybody on this side of the bracket or you could play three teams. Which is what happened. Yeah, well, well, which is, I actually like that you got to play all three teams in the regional. Instead of, um, you only get to play one or two teams. Uh, Like Stanford only got to play against two teams. And now one of the teams they played against three times. Um. But yeah, we'll have the, uh, bring back the offense and defense stat categories comparisons tell you just how favorable this matchup leans towards Texas Tech. Don't want to get your hopes up or get get the, the hype, the Kool-Aid flowing on a Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. But I have a hard time not feeling confident about this weekend. I'll tell you why. Uh, Then like Michael said, maybe some basketball, maybe some football uh, and what we learned. Got to tell you how we, our Dodgers did in the city tournament. Cause that's, that's something that's on everybody's mind. I can, I can feel it.
2: The, the, the yeah that just I'm, I'm really i'm really dying to know you'll All have right. to tell me
1: let's get to texas tech baseball first okay
3: left field well struck Desloney picks it up on a bounce he's racing for second three.
1: So, one, those highlights make me miss Cam Warren just a little bit. Big time. Two, two reminds me of uh, Mr. Kurt Wilson, who is quickly becoming known as Mr. June around here after what he did this weekend and in previous post-seasons for Texas Tech. Texas Tech sweeps the regional. Friday versus Army, 6-3. Saturday versus North Carolina, 7-2. Sunday versus UCLA, 8-2. You gave up seven runs to your 21, 21-7. That's it's quarter is 3-1. Chase Hampton got the start on Friday, which we talked about. The, the skip in the start rotation there in the Big 12 tournament. Uh, got Chase Hampton into the rotation a day early. Um, He may be your Friday night starter this weekend because of the way he's been pitching. Friday versus Army. I say Friday night, Friday afternoon. I hate our our super regional schedule. We'll we'll talk about that. (laughs) Me too. Friday morning,
0: even worse, against Army. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table.
3: The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate.
1: Goes six, Chase Hampton goes six full innings, seven hits, only two runs. One of those being earned. One walk, seven strikeouts.
2: Just a, I mean, a really great performance. Uh, I was hoping that he would come back out in the seventh. Uh, I actually got to go to this game. Thanks to Keith. Appreciate that. And I sat with Labar and we were both talking about it. And I I just kind of asked him, I was like, well, do you think Hampton will come back? And Labar was kind of thinking, well, maybe he'll come back and pitch to one batter. And then that way he can get the standing O and then be replaced. Because, you know, his pitch count was pretty low. He threw 79 Uh, pitches through the six innings. So yeah, not enough. You'd be like, "Mm, it's time for him to go. Right. So we were kind of hopeful that he'd come back out, but he did not. Connor Queen came in and, you know, did fine, but, but did not do as well as Micah Dallas. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So who finished the game off on in the ninth? My goodness. Connor
1: Queen comes in, goes two full innings following Chase Hampton, one hit, one run, one walk, no strikeouts. So he did two full innings of work on 20 pitches. Chase Hampton did, like we said, six innings on 79. Micah Dallas comes in as the closer, and I love this. I love that he's taking this roll back over. Goes one inning, 11 pitches. He gets two flyouts and a ground out to end the game on 11 pitches.
2: Yeah. And, you know, this was the closest game of the weekend. So for him to come in, Tech was i mean sure tech was up, but being up by three in the ninth is not that's not an insurmountable you know uh deficit, so it, yeah he it, it, i wouldn't you know I don't think anybody was nervous or worried or anything, but it was it was pretty it, somewhat pressure the 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 highest pressure ninth inning of the weekend, and he just came in nails.
3: It's
1: for crazy. It was It was uh, in question enough, I mean, within the rules that Dallas is credited w- with a save. Um, his second on the season. And you take care of Army. Army was really good and th- they've, they've been a lot better in previous years or at least they showed it in games against you where they get guys on base like with a single whatever and then they like sacrifice or steal and they get them around the mm-hmm. bases. Army did a little bit this weekend on Friday um, they had four stolen bases on the game that they, they, I didn't see any sacrifices or any bunts. Uh, I, I just don't think the, there
2: was a bunt. That's how they scored their first run.
1: That's right. Because, um, yeah, there was one bunt and they got the first run, but that that's usually their thing. They're like, uh, based across like all of their athletics, they, they kind of find kind of the old school gritty niche way to, to play a sport. You bet. And they commit to it. Like in football, you know, they have that system. They run the the triple option. Army, they don't have um super power hitters in their lineup, but they've got some some athletes and some fast guys and they get them on base and they hit them over and, and they get them in. Um, they just weren't able to do that effectively enough to win this weekend. They went 0-2. Um, but I mean, part of that has to do with, with Texas Tech offense as well. Like if you get kind of a, a lead on a team like this, same in, in football, really. You get a lead, it kind of takes them out of their game. Uh Cal Conley hit two home runs on Friday. Braxton Fulford hit one. Uh, and Michael, I want to ask you, because you were there. Um, there wasn't anything extraordinary about the home runs or the home run celebrations on Friday, but they were upset fans that Texas tech did such things against army.
2: How dare us? Well, well, I, it was just the normal home run celebrations. I mean, I think if anyone's going to get fired up, it's the one that Jace young hit on Saturday. He was really, he was really amped for that one. Uh, and you know, that was first inning home run just to, come out of the gate with a what 2-0 lead or whatever it was Mm -hmm. so I thought well if anyone's going to get upset it might be that one because that was a lot of emotion for the situation in which he hit that home run but no I didn't see anything aside from the bullpen celebration like normal they just get on the on the fence and I I don't know I they saluted the batter which is what they do the batter salutes them
1: I don't yeah. know. It's just that the, I, I saw some posts were like, how could, how could you do that? Like you need to be respectful. You need to be better to the, the service Academy for all that they do for us. And the country's like, okay, but like you can compartmentalize like athletics and competing in athletic games versus what those young men and young women are doing
2: post-graduation. I would think so too. And, and I don't know. I've, I don't go to baseball games very much and maybe the fans do this a lot, but I don't think it's super common for when the opposing team runs out that the fans clap and just about give a standing ovation. No. Cause that, that definitely happened Friday morning. So I don't think respect was an issue there. I think people knew obviously who, who tech was playing and who they represent and, you know, going beyond the game and everything, but it, it was at the same point, a baseball game. And so players are going to do the same thing they've done against any opponent the rest of the year. Yeah. And for some reason in this context, it rubbed people the wrong way, which I I don't understand.
1: Speaking of doing things that we've done all year, you mentioned Jace Young coming out Saturday oh. and crushing a home run. So weird uh, regional NCAA rules. Texas Tech has to alternate between home and away. Texas Tech was actually the away team twice out of three games this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Um, And although it didn't look like any other schools across the country that were hosting regionals abide by this rule, Texas Tech did not play the fight song when when they scored, did not uh, play walk-up music for their batters, um, Hmm. which is a NCAA rule.
2: Well, these, I knew all that, but, but I didn't
1: realize there were other schools breaking it. Oh, like the SEC schools did not care. <sighs> like Arkansas? No, man. They were playing that fight song. They were hitting the walk-up music. It was,
2: yeah. So it was okay. a home game for Arkansas.
1: Every day. Patrick Monteverdi gets the start on Saturday, goes five and a third uh, does give up six hits, but only allows two runs. Both of those earned one walk, seven strikeouts. And then Ryan Sublett comes in and finishes out the game. Three and two thirds innings. So you only have the two, two pitchers on Saturday, but Sublette goes three and two thirds, no hits, no runs, two walks, eight strikeouts. So three and two thirds is 11 outs. Mm-hmm. Eight of those were strikeouts.
2: It was a thing of beauty, guys. If y'all didn't on get it. to watch that, I, I, I'm sorry you didn't because it was just really something. He was so dialed in and how oh, it was just filthy. Filthy the way he was able to go from 95 to 87 and back or whatever it was he was doing. And these, these guys just had no idea what he was about to throw at him. <laughs> yeah. You throw a meatball down the middle and they just watch it sail through.
1: Because they're so... The- in their minds about like looking for a
2: different pitch. Yes. Yeah, I mean, he, like, I mean just this. an absolute dinner plate coming right down the middle. They just watch it go into the catcher's glove for strike one or two or whatever. And you're just thinking, Oh, this is so great. Yeah. Jason gets in the pitch count a
1: lot. Yeah, I like we did say he hit that two run home run in the first, the top of the first. Uh, and that was the one that, that could have gotten some emotions going because one, I think it, like it went back and forth. Like he had such a seal. He had such a good contact and a good hit on it. Like he, he started off with a slow walk and then like you kind of watched the flight of the ball and it, it looked like it barely made it over the fence. So there was a time when like he slowed down, like, is that going to go? Mm-hmm. And then it got over and then it was like all emotion. Dude was like f- punching through the air and did his, I don't know. it was, Emotional. Kurt Wilson. Kurt Wilson. <laughs> well, Jeff Haxton. Um, and Jamie Lent. He hit a apo taco, which I love saying that. I'm sorry, that's probably ridiculous, but opposite field home run in the seventh. Dude went five for eleven on the weekend, which is a cool 454. <laughs> Three singles, one double, one home run. Dude is just doing work at the plate. Um, that, and then just his, um, what, like all those hits were, were really timely. There was guys on base were like two outs and we, we need to start something and Wilson would come up and just like, all right, well, we got this. Um, he just, he seemed to just keep the offense going. Um, he came in, what was it? It's either Friday or Saturday. It was a short fly ball. Um, and there was a runner at third tagging. And the broadcast, like, you guys better watch out because this dude's a pitcher. And he comes up firing and would have nailed the bat like the runner and had him out had Fulford caught it. Like it, um, Fulford ended up dropping the the throw coming in. Not that it was offline or whatever. It was perfect and it was going to be in time to beat the bat, the runner. But uh, defensively, Kurt Wilson was there. He played. Uh, and left and center this weekend Mm
0: -hmm.
1: which was cool to see and then you get to that 2-0 Texas Tech has started every regional 2-0 under Tim Tadlock which is amazing Um, you get to the Sunday game the second game on Sunday where you're waiting the winner of the first game so you get them playing a double header so you get them one, they're already a little tired. They've already gone through some of their bullpen just to get to that game. You get UCLA, who was a consensus preseason number two team in the country. So it's not like this was a bad team that like limped into your regional. They were, they were really good. Mason Montgomery gets the start, goes five full innings, two hits, two runs, one earned. Didn't give up four walks, but did strike out eight. So on the weekend, your starting pitchers struck
2: out 22 batters. Um, I don't think. I mean, I don't think you've seen that as much. I don't remember them striking out guys as often as they did this weekend. I I I feel like these I feel numbers like are. The defense came into play a little bit more. Yeah.
1: the The strikeout numbers do feel a little bit higher. I do know early, early in the season when you had like Monteverdi giving up nothing, yeah, uh, and and you had Birdsell, like the two of them together, and it was Montgomery or Dallas when when they were on. Um, but yeah, this weekend, your starting pitchers really came out, set the tone, was able to hand the ball off all with leads. Like all three of these guys got the win. Um, because when they left, your team was in control. Um, speaking of in control, Mason Montgomery faced one of the best UCLA batters, JT Schwartz struck him out three times and he let him know coming off the mound yeah. that third time, which I love.
2: I yep, love a little, little showmanship. That's all right.
1: <laughs> I love when a pitcher gets fired up. Like that there is a place for like the cool, calm and collected pitcher that like doesn't get rattled. Like sublet is a like fairly Sublette. calm dude. Yes. Um,
2: But like they're breathing and, you know, trying to focus. And then there's, then there's a thing for like, uh, I'm completely blanking on the guy. Big bad John. Yeah. Jo- John McMillan. He'd get fired up.
1: Well, yeah. Well, well, Chase Hampton got fired up at times on Friday. Patrick Monteverdi is a super emotional guy. He gets, he gets into it. Mason Montgomery may have been the most fired up. I've seen him all season. Uh, and then Micah Dallas is the closer. (laughs) There's an attitude there and I I'm, I'm all for it. Um, Sunday Andrew Devine and Derek Bridges come in to follow Mason Montgomery. Both go a full inning and only give up a hit each. Micah Dallas comes in in the eighth to go two full innings, gives up only one hit, no runs, no walks, four strikeouts, including the last three outs of the game were all strikeouts. Two of them were actually dropped third strikes. It had to be, the play had to be finished off at the throw from the catcher to first base. Uh, one got called out as a runner's lane interference because the runner was basically on the infield grass the entire way up there. It's like, well, they have a runner's lane for this exact thing on the foul side, which you see it, you know, in the chalk on the sideline there, Mm -hmm. but Mike Dallas ninth innings. Um, I mean, he, he didn't, he didn't record any strikeouts on Friday versus army, but when he came in on Sunday to close the thing out, I mean, like it was filthy. He struck out three guys in a row to finish the game. Um, I guess I just, just really love him as that closer right now.
2: Yes. And it, and it just really worked well because uh you know LeBar was rightfully so a little bit you know kind of worried about bringing Dallas in so early on that series with Army uh you know so early in the weekend I mean Sure but it it was just the ninth and he ended up only pitching 11 pitches. And we were both looking at each other after that thinking, Oh, he's, he's good. good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, This will not be the last, you know, we will see Dallas come back this weekend. So he was definitely available and and able to come back, which was just, I mean, really good bullpen management by Tadlock and, and uh, everybody else this weekend, they just, and then the guys that they called on, you know, they did the work, they did what they were expected to do. Mm -hmm. and, it just couldn't have gone much better (laughs) as far as pitching goes.
1: So like you said, uh, Dallas went 11 pitches on Friday, 26 pitches on Sunday. Um, So 37 pitches on the weekend. He's good to go Friday.
2: Oh yeah. He could start Friday if they needed him to.
1: Yeah. The one thing I wanted to mention, yes, you did put up the most runs on Sunday. It could have been worse. That wind was blowing straight in from outfield those flags were, were whipping and out in the outfield straight in. Uh, and I counted probably f- at least three, four, if not more balls that were crushed into the outfield that just got held up in the air. That could have been home runs that were not Texas tech could have really put it on UCLA a lot worse saying that UCLA could have scored more runs as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were definitely, you know, a handful of balls hit to the outfield. That you felt like, Leaving the backyard. Oh, that's got a chance. Like, wait, not with the wind blowing straight in <laughs> just drops. <laughs> yeah. It just dies up in there. Um, so you move on, you're going to host a super regional, uh, it was not so easy around the country. I don't know. I don't, I have to go back and look. I don't know how many teams that advanced went three, and on the weekend. Didn't feel like very many. Um, one that I, I love to point out, Michael, mm-hmm. TCU hmm. fought so hard to get to a national seed to host super and then lost their own regional. You hate to see it, man. You know what really sucks? TCU, the school may be hosting a super regional, but TCU, the baseball program will not be playing in it.
2: Well, they may be looking for a new head coach. That
1: too. Jim Schloss, Tim Jim Schlossnagel, whatever his first name is. Uh, Maybe heading down to college station. After yep. Texas Tech was like, hey, Tadlock, you, you're not going anywhere. We're, we're going to lock you up for a lifetime contract. Laugh La- And he was like, well, then we watch Schlossnagle. So He may be gone too. Um, Dallas Baptist wins the TCU regional to advance to a super on some heroics at the plate. Michael, did you see that they had a go-ahead grand slam in their series, their uh, regional championship game? In the seventh, I did seventh. not see that. I think the best part is, um, I, I saw this video clip on on ESPN. Two, the home plate umpire had to encourage the batter to stop celebrating and start running the bases. Like he, like he <laughs> nailed this ball. Like it was a no doubter, uh, and it was late in the game. It was the, the, the seventh inning. Uh, they were down by three, so this grand slam would put them ahead by one. Obviously very emotional part, big part of the game. Dude crushes his home run to left field and is like slow walking it, pimping it, l- looking at his own dugout. And the home plate number is like, go, go run, <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> Which is kind of stupid. I mean, I like let the kids celebrate
2: a little bit. I, did, um, I do think I, I saw that and it it wasn't even that slow. He was just kind of. Yeah, he was admiring it seemed like it. the umpire. He was yeah, it seemed like it. the umpire was was itching to get out there and yeah, direct traffic. The other Grand Slam I saw or well, I didn't see this one, but the Grand Slam I did see was Tennessee. Oh, that was a go one too because that was oh a walk off, wasn't it? Yes, that Dude, w- that won the game for him.
1: Their atmosphere when that happened was
2: nuts. Yeah, I, I think that would be a really tough play to uh, another tough play. Place to place in baseball. Tennessee was rocking.
1: Yeah. The um, one of the, the takeaways I had from watching a lot, lot is baseball, just like some of these SEC schools, their their baseball stadiums are just unreal.
2: Yeah, the Tennessee Stadium was Tennessee a lot of people there.
1: <laughs> stadium. Um Arkansas, obviously. But also Mississippi States. Have you seen theirs? No, I didn't see so that they, one. Theirs was relatively new, but like these look like legit minor league parks where the 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 seating goes all the way around. Uh for Mississippi State, they had this older building out in left field where like people were out on balconies uh watching the game. They had this area where they were like smoking. Did
2: they have picnic from- tables? There was some place I saw where there was in the outfield there were just like straight up picnic tables that someone hit a home run out there and Maybe. Anyway, I don't know. Where, I don't know which place that was. It was probably the they SEC had, too. I thought, well, that's a cool place to watch a baseball game.
1: <laughs> I know they had grills, and and they were talking about it. Like,
2: oh my gosh,
1: grills! Like when when they get like enough of those grills going, like the smoke from those will actually like drift across like the camera angle to <laughs> so like it'll kind of obscure the view a little bit.
2: I'm just like really see which way the wind's blowing. That's an advantage. And I
1: was like, man, I just wish that like. We could finish out like the the first base, the right field side, put some bleachers down to the corner, figure out a way to put some more bleachers in, or permanent bleachers in the outfield for tech. Um, you know, I, I, I think with a new clubhouse, you're not going to be able to go any further down the left field and third base side with, with more seats. But like, I was just like, man, like when they're talking about a full house at Arkansas of 12,000 people or whatever it is at, you know, Mississippi State, 11,000 we were like, Texas Tech had 4,500 in their sellout. I was like, it's a great environment. Like, don't get me wrong. Undoubtedly so. If you can cram in another 1,500 seats, oh <laughs> just gosh. wrap around, like... People will go. Like with the wait list for, for, for season tickets, like I don't see why you can't... Uh, and obviously we've talked about... Well, like, real
2: estate obviously is why. R- real estate. Just-
1: but I, I think there's space that down the right field. Like they've got like bleachers set up there's there's space down there into the corner I, you may ha- not have a good sight line maybe that, that may be part of it they have to turn the seats or something down there um but yeah like you know we, we've talked about this before like the money should be there to build a permanent camera stand out there in the outfield and that was bouncing around all weekend um you'd think you know if you could open up some more seats especially with the wait list that texas tech has you could make that money back, but I'm not going be beneficial. Yeah. The other thing, other noteworthy, uh, it was actually going to be the, the super regional opponent of Dallas Baptist. It was old dominion in Virginia played today, Tuesday. They finished a game that was continued on from Monday. They had a rain, uh, a pretty significant rainstorm that interrupted their game. Uh, and it picked up fourth or fifth inning early, early Tuesday morning, Um, and their pitcher started the game Monday and continued it on Tuesday for, for old dominion. He had a perfect game going through five and a third, um, and gave up a double with one out in the, in in the sixth and was immediately replaced. And then it got to be a little, um, back and forth, uh, really entertaining game. Virginia ended up winning that. So they will face a Dallas Baptist, um, and I don't know if the Super will be held there in Columbia or if they'll be in Fort Worth. I assume they'll be in Columbia, but I do I know I mentioned they, they they could be going to
2: Fort Worth. I can't help but notice that you you left Texas off the noteworthy regional action
1: yeah well they 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 had Fairfield in Arizona State as part of their regional, and it seemed like they had some some struggles. To put those two teams away now, granted Fairfield and Arizona State, uh, Fairfield is a a lesser known program that had done really well this year. It was one of those schools that nobody really wanted in their regional because you just didn't know how they were going to do against big time uh, opponents. Sure. But yeah, I mean, Texas advanced, but I wasn't really going to give them a whole lot of airtime. time.
2: <laughs> nope. We're done. We can move on.
1: Um, so yeah, Stanford, who you will be facing, Texas tech will be facing this weekend advanced from their own regional. They were the number nine seed. Uh, they hosted UC Irvine, Nevada and North Dakota state. Interestingly enough, they played UC Irvine seven times on this, on the season. They played them um, three times in the regional, and then four times during the regular season. Um, three times in the regional—is that right? Yeah, because they they played them in the one zero game, and they beat them. So then, UC Irvine goes to the elimination bracket.
2: Oh, of course. Okay. The
1: second time they play, UC Irvine beats Stanford, and they have to go to that the that final, final game. Final game, if the
2: if necessary game. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, uh, sorry, Stanford
1: on the season. uh, We talk about playing in the Pac-12. Talk about the good programs out there in Arizona, Arizona State. Um, The only conference series that Stanford lost on the season was against Cal.
0: Hmm.
1: And interestingly, interestingly enough, Cal and Stanford played five times on the season. They had a three-game conference series where Cal won two of those games, but Stanford won the other three times. So Stanford was three and two versus Cal in the season, but lost one of the important games during the conference series to lose that. That was their only conference series loss. They did have series wins over art on Arkansas, Arizona, Arizona state, Washington state, Oregon, UCLA, Oregon state, UCLA. um, the, the stat comparison, which we'll get to in a little bit, um, gives me confidence in Texas Tech's chances, especially as a host. But if you want to look at certain, the, the matchups, they have, um, they have a real deal ace on their pitching staff, Brandon Beck, He's eight and one in the season. He's thrown 93 innings. Has a 3.0 ERA, .95 whip, and allows a 193 opponent's batting average.
2: Okay. I have some stats that Keith posted, so all credit goes to Keith here. He found the last game that uh, Brendan Beck pitched in the regular season. Actually, I'm not sure if it was regular season or Pac-12 tournament. Do they have a tournament? Anyway. I don't don't think they they had a tournament this year. I don't think they had a tournament either. So Stanford played Oregon State. And Brennan Beck came out, pitched all nine innings. 107 pitches in nine innings, if that gives you an idea of what he did. Three hits, one walk, 10 strikeouts. And let's see. Yeah, no runs. None. What and I. Nine innings pitched.
1: <laughs> the other thing that I found interesting about that game is Oregon State's pitcher also threw a complete game. Yes. Now, he only went eight innings. He only
2: went eight. Yes. But. That was um, a little interesting stat. You're right. Two
1: starting this, pitchers going complete games against each other.
2: Right. With, with very even, because, I mean, uh, Kevin Abel for Oregon State. no slouches himself. I I know that we're not talking about Oregon state, but it it was eight innings pitched, four hits, one run, one earned run. That's it. Three walks, seven strikeouts, 106 pitches. I mean, just, yeah, that was a really good game to watch if you're into, into good pitching, but Brennan Beck, you're right. He's a solid, uh, ace coming in and I'm sure that tech is going to see him Friday.
1: I wouldn't doubt it. Um, Past him, it looks like they would go with an Alex Williams. Uh, doesn't have the innings pitch. Nobody else on their staff has nearly anywhere close the number of innings that Beck has. So it looks like they have a pretty good rotation of other guys that have taken up some starting roles. Alex Williams, three and two on this on the season, forty one innings pitched, a three seventy three ERA, one ten for his WHIP, has a two fifteen opponents batting average. Past that, um, it looks like they just go with the. Johnny bullpen. They go and they rotate bunches of arms. They're not afraid to sa- to throw the same relievers in the same weekend. We saw that in the regional. They had a they had a guy that came in in relief on Friday, start a game on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh went like one or two innings. They had a they had a handful of guys that went um twice on the weekend. Um They are not, they have a lot of confidence in their their bullpen arms. Having said that though, I want to jump into their, their team ERA. So we talk about Beck and Williams having those three ERAs, the team ERA 469. So once you get past those guys, there's a lot of guys are like, and they're giving up some runs Texas Tech fives and sixes probably. Texas Tech uh, comparatively is a four twelve. They Texas Tech gives up or allows a two thirty six opponent batting average, where Stanford gives up two forty six. Stanford's played three fewer games than Texas Tech. So Texas Tech has played fifty four games. Stanford's played fifty one. Texas Tech's pitching staff has given up fewer hits on the season. In three more games than Stanford has. Uh, 414 to 429. I've also given up fewer runs in fewer games. Sorry. I've given up fewer total runs in more games than Stanford has. That makes sense. 252 runs. Texas Tech has given up 252 runs on 54 games, whereas Stanford has given up 268 runs on 51 games. So per game, Texas Tech allows just under five runs a game. Stanford allows just over five, so 4.7 to 5.3. Texas Tech, because of the fewer, sorry, the more games played, they've allowed the same number of walks, 215 on the season. That works out to 4.0 walks per nine for Tech, 4.2 for Stanford. Strikeouts, Texas Tech holds a significant advantage, almost a hundred more strikeouts on the season uh, than Stanford does in their pitching staff. Um given up fewer home runs Texas Tech has. The fielding percentage is the only thing I could find that Stanford has defensively over Texas Tech here. They have a fielding percentage of 980 to Texas Tech's 972. But Keith did point out Um none of Tech's starting fielders have a fielding percentage under 940, 941, mm. which I think is uh Parker Kelly there at third. Whereas Stanford starting third baseman's fielding percentage is 885.
2: It's quite a bit lower. So maybe, maybe they can hit to the left a little bit.
1: <laughs> yeah. Pull it on the left field. <laughs> uh, that left field line as much as you can. Offensively, same story, man. Texas tech owns a significant advantage over all or significant number of these categories, average on base percentage, slugging doubles, triples, home runs, runs scored per game, walks earned and stolen bases. Um, the only difference is Stanford strikes out has struck out quite a few, quite a bit fewer times than Texas tech has 434 strikeouts for Stanford to 503 for Texas tech.
2: Yeah, I mean, just seeing all this stuff, like you said, it it does give you a little bit of a boost of confidence, but then I, I keep going back to Brandon Beck, whose opponent's batting average is point one nine three and he was capable of pitching nine innings of baseball and a hundred and something pitches. I I mean I'd
1: he has I several if,
2: complete games on the season. Yes. And I, I think if if Tech's able to I'll feel better after Friday <laughs> Once you get is, work, is what I'm getting at.
1: Whichever game he throws, you're like we can get pass out
2: and especially with a win, you feel really good about your chances well because who knows maybe they don't maybe they've decide not to trot him out there till Saturday or something i i would I can't imagine why I feel like you'd want to get him out there out of the gate and go up 10 if that's your best shot but yeah I, I think facing Beck is is my biggest concern at this point
1: yeah i I, I would agree um, some of their offensive leaders though to support You know what we're just saying though? Their outfielder, Brock Jones, leads the team in home runs with 13. I will tell you that Texas Tech has three guys with 13 or more home runs. You know, no big deal. That's what we do. He hits 295 on the season. Uh, he did not have a great regional, only went three for 13 on the weekend. Um, infielder Tim Tawa, though, 10 for 19 in the regional. 526. Uh Hits 291 on the season, so he had a really good weekend. Maybe comes back down to earth, um, but they've got three guys that average over 300 batting average on the season. Christian Robinson leads the team at 314. Nick Bruiser, at least I, I think that's how you say his name. If not, like you should you should say it that way because that's a pretty cool name. And then Vincent Martinez. <laughs> I think Bruiser's at 308 and Martinez is at 312. Uh, and then Texas Tech got. I think they have four at 300 plus, and you've got somebody at like 380 as your highest. I'm probably misquoting that; it's much higher than than what it actually is. But like I said, I I have a hard time seeing that, except for like what you said. As long as you can you can get to to Beck on Friday or Saturday, whenever they they throw them out there, um. If you're able to get to him, got a really good shot to make it to Omaha. You just need, need two wins this weekend.
2: I know. Just, just two more guys.
1: <sighs> just <right>. 54 outs. <laughs> 54. Sorry. You got three guys. Texas Tech has three guys uh, batting over 300. Drew Baker leading at 356 not so not 380. Jason at 343. Cal Conley at 330. But all those guys, even Cal Conley, the lowest of those three. Significantly higher than the Stanford highest. Um, I mean, Cal Conley, Jace Young and Drew Baker, man, they, they keep the lineup moving. Um, Kurt Wilson's coming on. He's hitting 283. Nate Romback, my, my dude has found his bat. I love it. He's only 218 on the season. Did not have a great, great regional, but it felt like. Like there, there was some confidence building here towards the end of the season, uh, throughout the the tournament in Oklahoma, and then this, the regional, you can just see it. Like
2: he's getting it back. Oh yeah, I'm I'm getting the sense of that as well.
1: So regional schedule, like like we said it early on, I hate it. You play Friday, <laughs> Saturday, or it's scheduled Friday, Saturday, Sunday if necessary. All games are slated to start at 2 p.m. Central. Rob Bro tweeted this out about home field advantage. I want to talk about this real quickly before we talk about uh, Michael's weather concerns. Oh, my God. Because Texas Tech has a huge, huge home field advantage. I'm so sorry for that. At Dan (laughs) Field, Since the start of 2018, Texas Tech has not lost consecutive games at home. you not lost consecutive games at home in three years. I guess four, 18, 19, 20, 21. Wow. Haven't lost a regional game. Have won two straight super regional tournaments. And a winning percentage of 84%. That super regional streak would go up had you not faced some junk ball pitcher from Sam Houston State in 2017 <laughs> who threw like 200 pitches at like 60 miles an hour. And for some reason you just could not time them up.
2: (laughs) I just love the, I love the like derogatory term of junk, junk ball. And it's, 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 you know, if we had a junk ball pitcher, we would just love him. But if anyone else has like, ah, they're the worst. That's (laughs) just, that's not real baseball. But if we have one, oh yeah, he's just, well, you know, hit off of him, man. Yeah. Just got to hit off of him
1: you you're, you're worried about some guy throwing 65 miles an hour then hit it man it shouldn't be that hard yeah, just right your, just, college hard. guys <laughs> so looking at the the weather forecast for the week michael good lord it's gonna be a little toasty in lubbock <sighs> it's and gotten with, worse and with games slated to start now granted it's not the hottest part like the end of the game will be towards the hottest part of the day absolutely so like, I, I don't, the only way you'd avoid this weather is if you started even earlier and then you get guys like Ryan Hite saying, this is a major college program, not T-ball. <laughs> this shouldn't be playing in the morning. So like, if you're going to try to avoid the weather, like you push it back until after the sun goes down at nine o'clock or way up in the morning.
2: Which I'm kind of surprised that didn't happen. I'm sure this was all done for TV. So why wouldn't it be done You know, because people watched in California are going to be watching it at noon. You know, maybe they would have liked to have watched it at seven o'clock at night, their time or six o'clock at night, their time. And then maybe someone with some damn sense could have looked at the (laughs) weather forecast. And at the time that they did this, it was 104 degree high on Friday. Now it's 108. Yeah. Saturday 101, Sunday 97. I hope Tech doesn't have to play set, uh, Sunday, obviously. But come on, man. This is this going to get somebody hurt. Not just players, fans. You, you think Joe Schmo's grandma is going to be sitting up there at 108 flipping degrees in full sun at 430 and just being like, she's going to be just fine? Or some drunk frat guy that has just been going on ultras all afternoon <laughs> <laughs> thinking he's hydrating himself? it's just it's just a not a good idea and I'm sure it's TV pushing it but man I sure don't like it I don't like it for a lot of reasons but really just the safety of the fans and the players because if it's 108 in the stands if it's 108 just ambient in the stands it's probably going to be 115 120 with all that metal and all that aluminum around you what's it going to be on the field 130
1: it's going to be pretty hot down there
2: it's going to be pretty damn hot yeah <laughs> Ugh, I, and just, I, I, don't just seems you, like, I don't know how you. I don't know how you avoid have, it. It's the hottest day of the year. Yeah, let's 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 play baseball at at two p.m. Just stupid, <laughs> stupid idea. Come on, put it on ESPN Plus or whatever it takes to get this game to start when it's only ninety seven and the temp will go down or something like that. Okay, I, I guess I'll stop with my rant there.
1: Michael is our resident sun care aficionado.
2: Well, and apparently heat exhaustion. No one, no one gives two flips about heat exhaustion except (laughs) me. No one at ESPN, NCAA. I mean, it's a dry heat. Dry heat my ass. It's that's why you end up. That's why you end up in a in a with an IV stuck in you because it's such a dry heat. You forget sweating and you forget. Or you quit sweating and you for haven't even noticed it. You're like, "What's all this? What's all this uh, dry salt on my skin? Is this bad? Should I hydrate?" Yeah, you should. If you notice that, it's why does it look like I spilled a margarita on my arm? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's because
1: you stopped huh. sweating.
2: My shirt has all these white, you know, just dried white thread. Yeah. Okay, it's a dry heat, but I tell you what, if you sit in on first base at 108 degrees. Yeah. You're not going to be sitting there gloating about how dry the heat is.
1: No, not at all. Good now, gosh. I do. I do want to turn this positive and say that like Stanford ain't going to be ready for that heat. Like, yeah, they're, they're going to be like, you need to be hydrating. You need to start today, drink more water than you think. They're going to show up with like, this is oppressive. This is obnoxious. This is
2: unsafe. Now, while I agree with that, <laughs> I would like to know the last time. Texas Tech baseball played in 108 flipping degrees. They're not used to it either. They're used to it to an extent. They're,
1: they're, they're used, used to, to, heat, but they're used not to used to heat,
3: that yeah.
1: <laughs> because let's see the, the games they played last summer versus um, not last summer. It would have been two summers ago, 2019 versus Oklahoma state. Uh, two of the games were, would have been late afternoon and this middle part of June.
2: But and, how many and, guys and granted, are on this team? <laughs> you're right. And,
1: and granted, like that third game had some like freak weather and it was like significant significantly cooler that day, but you also had the wind issues that made for quite a bit more exciting of a game. I don't know, man. I'm I'm I'll be interested to see how it works out. I don't disagree that like you could have found a way to have this game still be on TV and be safe about it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it sucks to start a game at 8 o'clock, but like, I mean, I'm sure they, they deal with this all the time in
2: Arizona. Well, and I think you it, know it, it's kind of funny, not funny, I guess, but interesting. I'm over here, I was ranting about the start time of this, and I think UT fans were ranting for the opposite because I think the start time for their games were 8 p.m., and they were just like, gosh, it's so late. Why is it so late? That's so dumb. And I'm thinking, y- y- y'all live in Austin. It's <laughs> hot as hell. You should be happy. <laughs> oh, wow. We get to start when the sun's beginning to go down. That's that's going to be nice as opposed to, you know, you get to start the game at 100 degrees. And it's going to go up another eight before it's over. And then maybe come down three. And then the game will be over. And someone's grandma will have an IV stuck in their arm people are passing out but by god you got that you got it on espnu because that's (laughs) really super important
1: so if you're going to go to the game this weekend bring that water bottle and don't be afraid to refill it with water and don't keep going after the white claws and the ultras (laughs) that's not going to help
2: no that's not that's not going to help water sunscreen um salt tablets (laughs) whatever else you can smuggle in there. Goodness gracious. I think there's water stations there at the yeah. law. That's what Dan, uh, Dan, that's what Keith told me earlier. And I missed him when I was there last time. Cause I definitely would have been on top of that, but, uh, start hydrating now. Yeah. So there's a chance. Uh, yeah. Definitely drink before you go. There's a chance that, um, you could even bring in your own vessel and just go fill it at will which is the only way to do it. And if they sell water bottles, they better sell it for like 50 cents, man. It's just insane. Just give it away. Just give it. Yeah. Just anyone who wants some water. Here you go.
1: Cause <sighs> you don't, you don't want that, that, that uh Texas tech football experience we had, uh, in that terrible year we played SMU on a Sunday and they were like, yes. they legit sold out of water. Like
2: what are you doing guys? Anyway, ninety something 90 plus degrees in September. Yeah. Those days happen. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I, I feel like it's, it, it can be just as hot in September as it can in July and August. All right. Uh, only have a couple of things for basketball. I'm not going to play the music because it's going to take j- us just as long to talk about it than it would be to play the music. Um, so, s- not surprised that Avery Benson, one, announced that he's transferring from Texas Tech, but ended up following Chris Beard again. be his third stop. <sighs> at a Chris Beard school. Um, so Benson, I hope you enjoy wearing burnt orange and not playing a single damn minute. Have fun. He Good played,
2: riddance. he, he played the most he played in one game this year was, I think it was either eight or 10 minutes. I looked this up before and I am willing to bet he will not even see anything near that in any single game with UT this year. I would agree. And, you know, he's a, he seems like a good guy. He works hard. He's apparently a big part of the culture that Chris Beard likes to build, according to Chris Beard, I think. So I'm not going to talk bad about him, but I'm also not going to miss the roster spot that he took up. Nope. I, I don't mind that being open now.
1: Yeah. And then uh was it today or at least this week uh it was announced Texas Tech will play Gonzaga in the desert.
2: Yeah, that was just today,
1: December 18th, in the Jerry Colangelo Classic in Phoenix, Arizona.
2: Yeah, it seems like I mean that's that's a really cool game. I'm I'm excited to see Tech continue to get in these kind of big matchups, you know, Louisville, Duke, and, and other teams that they probably wouldn't normally have sought out to play in years past and may not have even considered playing Tech. But now this is a big matchup. This will be a really fun game in December.
1: Yeah, so the, the this classic, third annual Jerry Colangelo Classic is a one-day quadruple header. Will feature USC versus Georgia Tech. Grand Canyon versus San Francisco, Northern Arizona versus San Diego. And of course, Texas tech versus Gonzaga. Man, we're getting into a time of the year where we get a lot of this non-conference basketball scheduling news, like um, Texas tech playing at Providence. We, we talked about last week, the big 12 big East battle December 1st. We at Providence. And then of course you'll have the big 12 sec challenge. That matchup will be announced. I think it was announced, one, it was announced uh, way late last year. Uh, and then the previous year, we'd already known about who we were going to play by this point. So it could be very soon that you hear that other big non conference opponent in basketball.
2: Who knows? Maybe it rhymes with Blimtucky or uh, <laughs> Blobburn,
1: Blennessy. I
2: don't know. All
1: right. Uh, let's wrap this up with what we learned. What did we learn Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. All right. So quick update. A little Dodgers got eliminated from the city tournament over the weekend. We went two and two, not bad for a team that finished technically fourth in our, our league. Um, we finished top six in the city. So go Cooper.
2: Fantastic. Uh,
1: The, I don't, I don't know the outcome of the game, but the potential final game was played tonight. Uh, The first place Cooper team had won all the way through. Had they lost tonight, they'll play again tomorrow because it's a double elimination tournament. Um, But the team they face had already lost. So if the Cooper team won tonight, then that's it. City tournaments over Cooper wins. Had uh, they lost, they'll play again tomorrow night. I have not heard an update on that yet. My um, Cooper had, we, we sent five teams to the tournament out of 16. Um, only one team went 0 2. And it's unfortunate because they, they were, they're a pretty good team. Uh, we had four make the final six. There was Man. four Cooper teams and two teams from the Western.
2: So does that give you a little bit of boost of confidence on how you did in, in the Cooper league?
1: Yeah. It, Cause it's hard to see it throughout the year when you, you know, so we went, we went seven and five in the regular season.
2: Y'all uh, made a bowl game
1: against, yeah, we made a bowl game. We went seven and five in the regular season against Cooper teams and then we get to the tournament and we, I, I talked about this already, but we played the number one team from the Northwestern and we blew them the hell out of the tournament, like 27 to 13. I had heard through the grapevine they hadn't lost yet, but the way they played doesn't make sense that they hadn't lost yet. Like I'm not saying we were that good, but it was like that team had some holes, but maybe the rest of that league just wasn't very good. Or maybe they just had a really bad off night. Not sure. It doesn't matter. We won that game. Then we played either the number three or number four seed from Southwest on Wednesday night. This is the night that we lost Grayson's uh, equipment bag. Still mm. salty about that. Um, beat them nine to three, and it wasn't really even that close. Um, then we had Thursday night off as a two and O team, <laughs> which was awesome to get a night off instead of having to play every night of the week. Yeah. Um, Then Friday we played the Western Padres and they're really good. The problem we had is that it just weren't, we just, our bats weren't there. Like we just our our offense did not show up Friday that we had seen Tuesday and Wednesday. And like I said, the Padres were good. Uh, I feel like, had our bats been there, the game would have been a whole lot closer and we lost the game. I, don't know, I can't remember. 14, three, 14, two, 14, zero. I don't remember. It was bad.
2: Um, <laughs> interesting. It's, it's gotta be pretty bad if you don't remember, cause you remember lots of numbers.
1: Oh, well, I, I, I could pull it up. It doesn't really matter. Um, point of interest for that night. I nearly, I, I probably should have been ejected, nearly got ejected. Oh. Um, we had a, an egregious misapplication or misunderstanding of the rules from one of the umpires who is not, not a, not a tenured umpire. He, apparently he's been a coach in our division and the the coach Mm -hmm. pitch division and had agreed to fill in as an umpire this year. And it was apparent there was a, um, there was this late in the season. Yeah, man. Well, cause one, they didn't, they didn't want Cooper umpires in Cooper games.
0: So they had okay. to get this
1: other guy from Southwest or wherever he was from to do our game versus Western or Northwest either way. So the play, there's a runner on first ball is hit to our second baseman uh, and he's too far away from the bag. And like his, his mind just immediately goes to tag him like, great. Cause you are between the runner and the base. All you got to do is like, you got to stand in the way cause he's got to run through you. You got the ball. Our second baseman basically chases this runner into the outfield, right? (laughs) He gets around our second baseman somehow comes back. As soon as he gets past our second baseman, our second baseman throws it to first misses the throw at first, unfortunately. So that runner that we chase in the outfield gets to second, gets to third and is coming home. And the umpire who was feet away did not call the runner out for leaving the runners it's not a runner's lane it's runner um path running out of the base path right there you go because the base runner there isn't like a defined path like there is between home and first like when there's that lane you have to run in if there's a play there the runner sets his own base path so anytime he like turns around and re like he can reset his base path and he he did turn around once but there was a force we had to turn back around but then you made this big sweeping arc. That's not your base path. Cannot be an arc. It has to be a straight line between you and the base. Anyways, you get three feet lane basically, which is if I can reach you on either side, you are out of the lane or whatever. I come barreling out of the, the dugout. I'm yelling for time. The dude's not, he's not watching the, he, he's watching the play at home, which is not his play anymore. He doesn't see or hear me. I get on, like up on him before he realizes I'm there. So I'm kind of startle him first. I'm screaming at him because I'm, I'm upset. That's awesome. Um, the uh, the play did not have an effect on the game.
2: <sighs> what is that beeping?
1: Yeah, like a, a, oh, we a weather alert or a,
2: <laughs> or amber, amber alert or something.
1: Alert? I don't know. I should have turned my phone on loud and talk all the way across the room now. Even if you turn it
2: on silent, I don't think it works. Yeah, probably not.
1: So the play was not going to affect the outcome of the game. Like we were already down pretty bad. And that, that was another thing I was frustrated with. Like my frustrations were not just with my team was the entire situation. Anyways, long story short, I go out there, I'm arguing with this umpire, a better, more seasoned umpire would have ejected me, ejected me almost immediately when he sees me coming out. Cause you have to call time. It has to be granted. And then the way I was speaking to him,
2: Cool. And, have, and it sounds like the play was still going on.
1: Oh yes. That play, that guy, <laughs> that runner had not touched home yet. And I was like all up in the way.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, you. you well, here's the thing. Here's there. the
1: thing. It, there was two outs. So the runner leaving the base path should have been the third out. The, the inning should have been over. So I get out there, I'm yelling at him. He says, coach, you don't have to come out here screaming at me like that. I was like, All right, you're right. I'm still speaking very loudly to him. It's like, did you see him in the outfield? He's like, yeah. (laughs) Were you going to call him out? Yeah, I I was waiting till the play was over. It's like, that's an immediate call. So then I I said that. I flipped around and I said, Dodgers, that's three outs. Let's go. I called my team off before he had made the call for out. (laughs) In this whole instance, I realized I had done this improperly. Like I, my emotions, my frustrations, whatever. Sure. Are we had a player across the field, close to the stands that would have been all up in the reaction of the, the fans, hearing them screaming and cheering for their own kid about to score. Come back to the dugout crying. His dad was a coach for us. I was trying to console him. I saw him. I didn't even give him a second thought. I was like, just so, I was like, in my head about something else. Like, I'm not even worried about that right now. Um, after the game, turns out the player, the child, claimed that my actions had scared him. Mm. Okay. That could have been, had he been standing next to me like my second baseman was or my son was in right field just a few more feet away. Those two kids had no idea what I said to the umpire because it was so loud. They were the closest ones, but this kid all the way across the field in front of the fans that were screaming about the play that was happening was scared of me.
2: You were just fighting for your players though.
1: I was fighting for my players. So I get this call um, from the dad slash other coach. I don't answer because I'm I'm trying to get the the kids ready and and down for bed because it's late. It's after 10. He doesn't leave a a voice message, texts me, and then basically copies that text into our team chat and saying, Coach Spencer, what you did tonight was inappropriate. You scared my son. He was telling me on the way home that he doesn't want to play for you. We're not going to be at the game tomorrow. So basically he quit with one game left, right? With at least well, one, game left. one game, one at least one yeah. game left. Um, hours. We're, we're 12 hours away from our next game at this point. Now he lets everybody know, you know what? I feel like what you did was inappropriate. I couldn't reach you, but I'm going to go ahead and tell everybody that what you did was wrong and quit the team. Bye. Bye. I was like, oh my gosh, you can't be serious right now. So Samantha, she she wrote up some like really feisty text messages. She's going to send it off to the team chat. I was like, no, no, no. Um, I tried to be very calm about it. I was like, hey, you know what? Sorry, Mr. Call, putting the kids down. Um, I said, I wish I would have had the opportunity to address this with you personally before you took it to the team chat. Sure. Um, I said, you know, you do what you feel is right for you and your son but I will always have our kids backs. His only response was, well, the team needed to know why we weren't going to be there tomorrow. It's like, okay, bye. In the team chat, basically every other parent was like, dude, come on, put that aside. Like that was a bad call. He was fighting for the team. You can't quit now. He didn't respond to
2: anybody. Well, it sounds like you're questioning whether the um, whether his son actually heard anything you said or was ever even scared of you in the first place. Well,
1: I don't. When he came back to the dugout, like he was crying. So like there was something that upset him. I'm not saying that I couldn't have upset him. Sure. I'm just saying it's unlikely that it was because of what I said or what I, I mean, when I turned around, that's when Samantha, my wife, who is closest to this player said she could hear the only thing I said. And that's when I said Dodgers, that's three outs. Let's go. She said, I could hear in your voice, your tone, your volume, that you were mad. And at this point you were talking to your team that way, but it wasn't, it wasn't mad talk at your team. It was mad talk because you were upset with the umpire and you're calling your team in.
2: It was also very loud. So So there's a chance there's a, you're admitting there's a chance and that's possible, but it could have been handled a lot better and it, he could have at least spoken with you and confirmed with you before going to the, the group chat.
1: And it's not the first time he's done that either this year. Um, Well, He's
2: gone around you a few times. Yeah. This started back ways
1: back when we, when we lost our second game, 22 to zero to the, third place team in our league who didn't decide to, who decided not to play in the tournament. Although they could have raked and wrecked shop too. I think they were getting ready to like, they're, they're putting together like um, a select tournament team mm-hmm. or whatever. And they didn't want to be messing with this tournament, whatever uh, it allowed us to play. So it's fine. Um, from there, I think he was just embarrassed with how the game went that like he tried to take over and like he was talking to parents privately uh, he was trying to get practices moved to a different location because my friend's backyard that had enough space for us to put down bases and have a, a field and a batting cage all in the same spot was not appropriately, not the appropriate space to be having baseball practice because, you know, in a, after a game where we strike out 14 times and 17 at bats, um, we need to be working on defense, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, yeah.
1: I remember um, all that anyway. So I felt pretty vindicated. All the parents privately and publicly said, dude, you got to put that away. Like you can't quit on this team. You got to be there. Did they show up on Saturday? No, they did not. So in preparation for this, cause this kid plays a pivotal position, he plays catcher for us. I worked with my son, Grayson mm-hmm. Saturday morning, an hour and a half before we had to leave for the game I was like, we need to talk. All right. Real quick. <laughs> this dude quit. I need you. I need you to play catcher today. We have the equipment. Nobody else can practice. Just me and you. I was like, boil down to bare minimum. I don't care if you catch the pitches coming in. Cause that's not a thing. I need you when you get the ball to make a good throw back to the pitcher. So we don't have any stolen bases. And guess what? We gave up zero stolen bases on Saturday. a boy. a boy. G now, Did he catch any fly balls that were hit to him? No. Was he the best catcher? No. Was he better than the kid that quit? Absolutely. With one hour of practice was better than the kid that played for us for 12 games. You will not convince me otherwise. Does he want to play catcher again? I don't think so. I think and the hardest thing, most difficult thing to get him to play catcher was getting him to agree to play wearing a cup. He did not (laughs) want to wear a cup. He was like, no, you absolutely do need to wear a cup. this is the one position you need to be wearing a cup right now. Anyways, long, long story, long update on the Dodgers finish of the season. We ended up losing Saturday. Not a big deal. We, we, we got eliminated by another Cooper team uh, that went on and they were, they lost to the team that's playing in the championship game tonight. Uh, Me and that head coach are actually kind of friends now after a couple of years. Um, we had a whole lot more fun on Saturday. Like I, we lost with, by a wider margin on Saturday than we did on Friday. The kids were done. We weren't like super competitive on Saturday. It didn't bother me as much because the kids were trying and we had weird circumstances. And everybody was consumed with what happened the night before. Mm-hmm. We still had fun. Grayson had a hell of a hit in the game, whatever. It's fine. We lost. So we went we went further in the tournament than I ever anticipated. I did not want to go 0-2. We didn't. We went 2-2. No. and two. We had a lot of fun. Bad taste in my mouth. After what happened Friday night with our coach
2: quitting, but can't control anybody else but me. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, most everyone's season ends on a loss. No exception here, but at least it was a loss that you felt like you could, you could kind of stomach and live with that the, the kids are playing and they made some good plays and you, you know, you look at it overall, you started out second game of the season, losing 22 to nothing or whatever. And then you ended up being what, one of the six best teams in, in, in Lubbock the as far mm-hmm.
1: as tournament. We, we were in the last, last six in the tournament. Um, we would have been last five had we played the second game instead of the first game on Saturday. Because <laughs> there's the, like, we were the first game on Saturday. We got eliminated in the second game. There's obviously... An elimination. Then there were mm. four teams left that played on Sunday. Uh, and then two teams, sorry, or four teams left. Two of them played on Sunday. One played Monday, or two more played Monday. Two more played tonight. Anyways, Michael, what did you learn?
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Mine will be pretty quick. It's, uh, I just want to remind everyone that we are still primarily a food podcast and so this is just kind of getting back into this i had a sausage wrap at the at the law on friday because you know the game was at 11 so basically you i got there at about 10 because i was super excited i actually it was before 10 and i wanted to get a good seat and i hadn't been to a game in forever and i'd never been to a playoff game so i just was like well i've got to get there early took the whole day off loved it had a That's great the way time. to do it man Oh man, it was a blast. Me and Labar had a good time. So I got a sausage wrap, and I'm I'm putting wrap in quotes here because the sausage is the biggest sausage I've ever been served.
1: Okay, good. I'm glad, (laughs) especially that that way. Yeah.
2: So, you know, the the whole time I'm eating it, I was very self conscious that I didn't want to get on camera and end up as a meme (laughs) or something like that. Poor. That poor kid at Ole Miss eating the corn dog or whatever. Uh, so the whole time I was really self conscious about it. But I'm telling you, man, this this sausage was probably about as long as my forearm from wrist to elbow. And I use the term wrap loosely because huh, um, because the it obviously the tortilla encompassed maybe a third of this thing. <laughs>
1: That, that, and, that reminds me how sausages are served in Germany, like in a roll, like not even like a, like a, like a bun. It's like a, a like a dinner roll, whether you've got yeah. like three or four inches taken on either side, the bun is there basically to keep your hand from getting greasy from when you're holding
2: it. It's exactly Go it. speaking, <laughs> speaking of getting greasy. Okay. I've got two tips for you. If anyone gets this sausage wrap, it's a, it's a jalapeno sausage. It, it was oh, actually, really good. it was a really, it was a delicious sausage. I mean, I would totally get it again but i would do two things differently one you have the option to get uh, peppers and onions with it like with a fajita which sounds like a great idea until you realize that they put it that there's nowhere for it to go except
1: out of the tortilla under
2: your just out of the tortilla (laughs) and and so okay i would i would skip that maybe just grab some mustard or something on the way Mm mm-hmm then the other thing, I would just be mindful of the leakage because I may or may not have ruined my, my jeans. Oh no. <laughs> just because, I mean, it was just dripping out profusely. Just the, the, the largest sausage you've ever been served at a ballpark is just, there's, there's a lot of liquid in there. So just be mindful of that. All that said, it was delicious. There were some really good looking food choices there. Um, I think I need to go back to a baseball game just so I can eat more stuff.
1: The the other thing I, I'm 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 sure it's still served there, but the one thing like if you go back, and you need to get is the Frito pie. Like the I, I think it's I think they yes. serve it with like pulled pork or something, but it's like a massive plate of Fritos and barbecue, and it is a meal in and of itself. But they but they give you a plate for it. Uh, but it's I truly
2: got this. Well, I got this thinking. Okay, sausage wrap. It's I I was I got it thinking oh this will be easy to eat <laughs> yeah it's like it's a hot dog whatever you know just yeah yeah you know fine w- whatever that's that's gonna be great tortilla sausage it's not gonna be very big fine just something to get me through lunch and then <laughs> this this massive and it was just grease dripping everywhere and peppers are trying to fall out and, and I'm just you know trying to avoid eye contact with people while I'm eating it and <laughs> you know anyways Don't just the whole deal it was it was uh, <laughs> It was not quite what I had imagined I was getting myself into. I thought I was doing, going easy. And, um, you know, that, that, that was a black diamond of a sausage wrap to eat in oh, the middle, sure. in the stands.
1: Yeah. Like I said, the, the one thing I like to do is to go get the, um, the Frito pie.
2: So. Oh, I if, saw a few of those floating around. Yes.
1: If I'm able to go this weekend, I would definitely grab one. I'm on the lookout for tickets, as I'm sure many, many of you are. That'll do it for us on the 23 Personnel Podcast. We're getting ready for Super Regional Baseball this weekend. For Michael, I'm Spencer. We'll catch you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to the 23 Personnel podcast and sharing our fandom for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. You can connect with us on Twitter at 23 Personnel, Spencer at PuntSuck, and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. And find even more great content over on stakingtheplains.com. Help us out by rating the show and leaving a review on iTunes and subscribe on whatever channel you listen to podcasts. Remember to tell your friends about the show. The guys will be back next week with another episode. And until then, guns up and let the tortillas fly.